You're listening to the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports because we know sports. Hi, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday, and this is a special post-game Memphis Grizzlies Minnesota Timberwolves Game 4 edition of the Run Pass Option, which is being done late. Well, you could say early on a Sunday morning, 1234, the Grizzlies game against the Timberwolves in Minnesota just ended couple of minutes ago so i came down here in the lab because i wanted to get this out to grizz nation to grizz nation to grizzlies fans as soon as possible and it ain't good news it ain't the worst news but it ain't the best news the memphis grizzlies fall into the minnesota timberwolves in game four of the first round western conference playoff series 119 to 118 and to be honest with you the grizzlies should have won this ball game but i have to say that the Grizzlies didn't play their best ball game. Now, we know. Well, in case you don't know, the Grizzlies are coming off that historic win in game three over Minnesota in Minnesota when they came back first. They were down 26 points in the first half. He raced that lead, was down by seven at halftime. Then they got their asses down by 25 points in the third quarter. He raced that lead and came back and won the ball game, their largest Playoff win coming back from their largest deficit in playoff history, winning game three to take home court advantage back. So even if they would have won, even losing game four, they still get home court advantage back because they are the two seed and Minnesota is the seventh seed. But the fact of the matter is Grizzlies could have had a commanding three games to one lead if they could have pulled it out and won game four in Minnesota. Now, I got to give it to Desmond Bain. It's not Desmond Bain's fault that the Grizzlies didn't win this ball game because he came out and did this thing. Desmond Bain came out and just straight balled out. He finished with 31 points. How many How many threes did he hit? He, no, 34 points because he hit a three at the end of the game. My bad. 34 points, 8 of 12 from three-point range, and Desmond did everything he could to make sure his team was in position to win the ball game. Desmond Bain did everything he could to, to help the Grizzlies win this ball game. He came locked in, loaded. I'm telling you, every time he he, he shoots, man, I want to I want to say John Witherspoon, bang, 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 because that's what it is. Because he has a sweet stroke, built up like a strong safety man, but he can straight hoop. He kind of built up like Jerry Jack. He used to play in the M- NBA, man. He, Oh, oh, swole and stuff, but the thing about Desmond, well, Jerry Jack was a baller too, but Desmond Bain, straight stroking that thing, man, from outside, man, finishing with three, uh, 34 points. Like I said, great game for him, great effort for him, but unfortunately for him, he's really really pretty much the only one that balled out amongst the starters. The Grizzlies' best player, the all-star, John Morant. John was a little off. He just didn't really seem like he was ready or came ready to ball out with all the energy and intensity now. Uh, I don't know. And some people assume when he's hurt because he did take a knee uh, to his thigh, I think in game two from Carr Anthony Towns, but he hadn't said anything about it publicly. The Grizzlies hadn't said anything about it publicly. And even if he did, I would think that would have been a thigh bruise. And I've had a thigh bruise before. And a lot of times, man, if it's really hurt, 
if it's really a deep thigh bruise, hell, it's hard to run and explode off of that, especially the way John Morant likes to explode uh, off the court. But I'm not making any excuses for him because I don't know. He hadn't said anything. But I do know if you have a thigh bruise or something like that, uh, they shoot it up. They numb it up. But I'm not saying that's what's wrong with Ja because I don't know Ja. So I don't know what's wrong with him. But I know in game four, you know, we didn't normally see the job that attacks the rack. Uh, that's a real aggressive on the offensive end because he really wasn't, you know, it really wasn't that aggressive. Uh, people may say, you look at his numbers. Job finished with 11 points. Uh, he only took 13 shots, 4-13 from the field. He did have 14 assists. So he did do what point guards are supposed to do is dish that rock and get everybody involved. Finished with eight rebounds. But on the offensive end, he really wasn't that aggressive. He really wasn't attacking the rim again to the paint or even trying to. And I don't think it was anything Minnesota was doing. I mean, Patrick Beverly is a good defender, but he, you know, he, 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 he's a good defender. I know I was on Twitter and somebody said Pat Bear was in Jaw's head, and I doubt that. I mean, I'm not in Jaw's head, but I doubt that. I mean, Jaw gives the best of the best at work. He just didn't really seem totally physically and emotionally engaged in the ball game. Uh, and you could tell, but he still dished out 14 assists, 11 points. And despite all of that, the Grizzlies still should have won the damn game, man. Still should have won the game because Desmond Bain balled out, as I said, 34 points. But Ja, ineffective on the offensive end and on the defensive end, uh, Minnesota just kept going to going at him. Whoever Ja was guarding, it was like, go at him. So Minnesota's head coach, Finch, uh, must have seen something, or obviously he's seen something that they could take advantage of Ja on the uh, when Ja was on defense, and Patrick Beverly did that over and over and over again. Uh, Patrick Beverly was driving, kicking out, uh, getting into the lane, getting to the rim when he wanted to, man, getting into the paint, making things happen. And uh, he really not that kind of point guard, but he played that kind of point guard in game four. Not only that, Patrick Beverly gave him 17 points, man. And I'm one of those dudes that be like, let Pat, let Pat Beverly shoot, bro. Let him shoot. But damn it, we let him shoot, man. He ended up knocking down four of six three-pointers. Finishing with 17 huge points. Getting in the lane. How many, how many assists did uh, Patrick Beverly had? He had five assists. He gave four, he gave up four fouls, so he was still being aggressive. But the fact of the matter is, even on some of those shots uh, that the Timberwolves missed, he should have gotten assists. But Patrick Beverly was just pretty much doing what he wanted to do on the offensive end. But he really wasn't that guy. Carl Anthony Towns, man. A lot of people talk about Carl Anthony Towns, how he's been playing other than game one. Games two and three, he was struggling. We talked about him after the Grizzlies came back and beat them in game three, you know, castle ragging on him because he said, I'm just going to go home and decompress and drink some wine. That's how I'm going to recover. So Castle like, man, you drinking wine. I was one of the ones that said, I said, that's your problem, bro. I, I, bro. I was one of the main ones that said, that's your problem, bro. You're going home to drink wine instead of drinking Yak and Blue Top and Hennessy and things like that that a lot of people drink here in Memphis. Not, not me, but a lot of people drink here in Memphis. He was a, he's a wine kind of sore, but hell, apparently if that's what he did, it, it damn so worked because he came out and just went to work. 33 points, 14 boys. He was very, very aggressive on the offensive end. He played tough. 
He attacked the rim. He knocked down long distance shots. He knocked down mid range shots. He just played with some toughness and some intensity, man, that we he did, really didn't show. Now, uh, in games two and three, now he did still do a lot of goddamn crying and whining. He does that. He likes to argue, man. So I'm, I'm like, Dolph, we need to send him to law school. But he came out and showed out. Got to give him props for that. Criticize him and talk about it. He came out. His team needed him to play well, and he played extremely well. He played like a young superstar. He played like you expect Carl Anthony Towns to play. And he gave the Grizzlies. My Grizzlies, I said, he gave us that work. It is what it is, man. You got to respect the baller when a baller comes out and balls out. Then, like, we can talk about him when they come up short. Got to respect him. When he came out and balled out, he came out and gave us that work. He had some help from his, super, his superstar buddy, Anthony Edwards. Edwards finishing with 24 points, knocked down four threes, shot 50% from three-point range. He went out with a little knee injury. And I was hoping he was okay, in which he was, because he came back and he came back and gave us work. So they're two young superstars, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, combining for 57 points. Our two young superstars, not counting Desmond Bain, our two young superstars, on the other hand, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. only gave us 18 points. So there are two young superstars, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, combined for 57 points. Hours of Ja and Jaron gave us 18 points because Jaron fouled out, six fouls, only played 23 minutes. Play seven. He gave us seven points. So he was not that long at all. And we know Jaron Jackson Jr. has a tendency to foul, but we need him to play smarter, to try not to get in foul trouble. And I know I'm saying that it's not like he intentionally goes out there and tries to get in foul trouble, but he has to understand at some point that they're looking at him because he has a reputation of fouling. So the referees are going to look at him and maybe call a foul on him when he doesn't foul because they're, they're, they're what you call fouling, stereotyping him. Oh, he's a fouler. He's going to foul. Well, it's unfair. But it's unfair being a black man, being racially uh, a stereotype. So Jaron Jackson Jr. gets foully stereotyped. He is the court. Oh, he's a fouler. Watch him. Watch him. Put eyes on him so he gets a foul call on him. So Jaron Jackson Jr. has the has to do a better job of that because we need him on the court, man. We really need him on the court. We may be able to get through this series of Minnesota, him giving us that, but we're going to need him on the court. But I say that, man, the Grizzlies lose 119 to 118, but it really, they, they really didn't play that well. Aside from Desmond, uh, Desmond Bain as a team, they really didn't play that well. And they still only lost by one point. And they really didn't play that well. Now, Brandon Clark did what Brandon Clark. Now, he's consistent. 15 points, 7 to 9 from the field, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, all kinds of energy. 29 minutes, 15 points. I mean, that's what Brandon Clark does. He's consistent. He's consistently consistent. Dylan Brooks gave us 24 points, took ten, it, it, 3 or 4 threes. Took 20 shots, took more shots than anybody on the court. And I kind of criticized him on Twitter, said there's no way Dylan Brooks should be taking more shots than De uh, Desmond Bain or John Morant. But in this case, he needed to because Job wasn't really looking for his shot. 
Desmond was looking for his shot. There was a couple of times Dylan should have swung that thing around to Desmond, and he didn't because Dylan has confidence in himself in knocking down big shots, which I can't be mad at that. But I ain't going to, you know, I, I can say the Grizzlies let one slip away, but Minnesota didn't take it. Grizzlies just didn't play with a lot of intensity. They didn't play with a lot of grizzliness. They didn't. I, 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 I watched the game, and I didn't see, you know, even when they came back in game three from 26 points down, then 25 points down, you know, even when they was coming back, you saw that toughness. You saw that, you know, they were just kind of chipping away at Minnesota and just kind of took their confidence. I didn't see that in game four from the Grizzlies. I kind of saw that, okay, we won. We got home court advantage back. We go out here and play, man. If we win, great. If we don't, it's cool. We got home court advantage. We go back to the crib. It's just going to be 2-2. And then the playoffs, you really can't have that attitude. You got to take advantage of all wins that you could try to get. You got to. Because there, there was another NBA team that was all about to be swept on Sunday. They're like, oh, hell no. They came up with the attitude like, no, nah, bro, I don't care. We down 3-0. No, I don't care. People don't come back from 3-0. That's okay. We're going to win this game. But, yeah. Now they come back to Memphis. Series tied at two games apiece. I think that game was on Tuesday. So we'll see. Hopefully, Ja's okay. Hopefully, we get more from Ja on the offensive end as far as scoring because we need him to score. Not only that, we need him to attack the rack because we need him to get cast in foul trouble. Because when he does that, he gets cast in foul trouble. If he's not scoring, he's going to the line. And he's getting cast in foul trouble. Now, you're looking at the fouls. I mean, the referees, I mean, God, I mean, I don't, I don't even really know what to say. As, as a team, Grizzlies finished with 33 team fouls. Timberwolves finished with 23 team fouls. So we finished with 10 more fouls than them. So that gave them all those other more opportunities to score than we did. Because as far as in the paint is concerned, let me see if I can get to it. Give me a rebound. God dang Wi-Fi. Come on, AT&T. Wi-Fi slow as hell in Whitehaven in Memphis, man. I be uploading these, 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 Run past option videos to YouTube. Be taking me a whole day. See, number team stats ain't coming up. See, just loading. Can y'all see that much? Just loading. Still loading. Come on, man. Anyway, whatever. It don't matter. Hell, I can talk about stats all day. It don't matter. We lost the game. That's the only stat that matters. 119 and 118. Now we come back to Memphis Series, tied at two games apiece. So disappointing, but it's not that disappointing. But we still hooping. But we the two seed, they the seven seed, so we'll take care of them. But we got we to gotta learn how to win this game. And, it, you know, Steven Adams even got some minutes. He didn't play at all in game three, but Taylor, Taylor Jenkins gave him some minutes. Uh, some minutes. I mean, it's game four. He didn't, give him, he didn't give him many. He gave him four. DeAnthony Melton got seven. 0 for 3 from three-point range when he came in, so, you know. He hasn't given given us much offensively this series, but you know, it is what it is, man. Grizz Nation listening. It's cool. We good. 
we good. But I got to give it to Minnesota, though, because I thought after losing the way they lost in game three, their asses were done. I was like, man, ain't no way you come back from this. They did. But they came back because the Grizzlies let them back. Grizzlies didn't keep their foot on their neck. Grizzlies didn't even really keep a pinky on them, to tell you the truth. But it's all good. Grizzlies lose 119-118 or 118-119. Cause if I say Grizzlies lose, I need to say the Grizzlies score first. So Grizzlies lose 118 to 119 to Minnesota. Series now tied at two games apiece. Game five coming back in the M. Big old Memphis. Hashtag big old Memphis. So let's get ready. I am I am curious of what, what's gonna be on the ground town. I want to say big old Memphis. Cause I still say when Josh said big Memphis after game two. He got there for me because that's what I say. Now. I mean, I could be wrong, but I know I, I posted a Twitter video before game two earlier that day. And I was saying, you know, everybody call us little old Memphis. Now we big old Memphis here in Memphis. We big old Memphis. Then Josh said after game two, they won. He said, yeah, big Memphis. So I don't know. You know, maybe we just, you know, great minds think alike. But it don't matter. But now the series coming back to them. So looking forward to y'all, Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns. We in Minnesota now. Now you're going to come back to Memphis. We ain't going to say you in Memphis now because you're going to know you in Memphis now. Your ass get on that plane and you come over and you see that bridge or wherever, wherever way y'all come, you see that bridge and that pyramid. You know you in the M. You see that bluff. You see the Mississippi River. You know you in the M. We ain't got to say nothing. Uh, Memphis announces itself. No one has to say it. We in Memphis now. We'll have to say it. We ain't got to say that. You're going to know you you going to know you in Memphis. You know. We are on. You know, a matter of fact, we need to start making people get passports to come to Memphis. Because not only is Memphis our only city, our own city, we are only state. Matter of fact, we're going to be a district. We're going to let's be a district like Washington, D.C. You need passports to come to Memphis. Let's start making people have passports to come to Memphis. This ain't no way everybody should freely be able to come. I'm saying it right now. From now, get a passport, get it stamped, and go see the whoever the king of Memphis is. There's a couple of people you got to see before you're allowed. That's how we're gonna do it. There's a couple of people you got to see before you're allowed in Memphis. First, you got to start with a uh, 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 former mayor Willie Harrington. You got to talk to him first. And if you get past him, everybody else gonna rubber stamp. So you get past Willie Harrington, he gives you the go. He, he gives you the green light to come into Memphis. Cool. Cause, but you know, Willie Harrington, then you gotta go holler at Fred Smith. You gotta holler at him. Them two got, you know, them two gotta get together and get your pads come through. Memphis. But that's just to get that's just to be downtown. If you want to move around through Memphis, through the different neighborhoods and sections. You got to get passports. I, I mean, you. there's other people you got to see. I know them. I'm good friends with them. But I'm not going to call their names on this show. They're part of inner city. They're part of the inner city kingdom. <laughs> like, the, like the Game of Thrones. They're part of the inner city kingdoms of Memphis. I know them. Good friends with uh, all the districts. Because I grew up in the inner city. That's my hometown. I love it. I'm Memphis born and raised, born and bred. But it's like, a, you know, it's like a Game of Thrones. 
So Mayor Harrington and Fred Smith can stamp all visitors to Memphis on their passport. That's just for the downtown district. And it's not the whole downtown district. It's from the Western to Bill Street, FedEx Forum, Robert R. Church Park. Let me see. Yeah. Maybe what MLGW is, the orphanage, but that's that's it. Mayor Harrington and Fred Smith can, can snap your passport for you for you all to go there. That's it, though. Want to move around the rest of Memphis? Inner city Memphis? You got to go see the kings of those districts. I can set you up. You know what I'm saying? I, I can set you up and introduce you. I can make me introduction. But that's how it should be from now on. You got to have a passport to come to Memphis. Then you got to have a passport that I call them districts, kingdoms, not hoods. Then you got to have, then you got to go meet with them dudes and get a stamp. So, yeah. But we'll see y'all. Patrick Beverly, you better stay. You know what? Nah, Pat Bear, I ain't going to even lie, bro. I like you. I mean, I'm, you just one of them players, man, that cats dislike you because they, you don't play for their team. I like you, bro. I like what you be trying to pull. You be trying to punk cats. I ain't mad at you, dog. That's part of the game. I ain't mad at you at all. But I know if your ass would ever grab me, I would have hit you in the mouth. Fine or no fine. But it still would have been our love, though, because sometimes that happens. But, yeah, we lost. We'll see y'all Tuesday. Moving on, other NBA scores. Let's go stay in the West because I want to go. Let's stay in the West. Utah Jazz beat the uh, Dallas Mavericks 199. That series now is tied at two games apiece. They won it, too, because I think they were down like four points in 35 seconds. Left. I was like, ah, oh, Dallas got their ass. Utah tripping. Donovan Mitchell, he's been doing this thing, but he ain't really getting been, been getting much help. But they pulled it out, man. Donovan Mitchell hooked up with Rudy Gobert, a seven-footer who hadn't really been playing that much for Utah. Hooked up with him with 11 seconds left. Nice little pick and roll they ran. Alley-oop gave them the lead. But then, you know, Dallas still got that dude, Luka Doncic. Playing, he played for the first time this series. He had been out, I think, with a, with a calf strain. But he, he played. He played, so he brought it up. He looked for a shot, did Looked for Jalen Brunson, gave it, got it back then. They looked at, you know, gave it to Spencer Dinwiddie, and Dinwiddie had to rush a three. So that series is now tied at two games apiece. Donovan had 23.7 assists. Jordan Clarkson, 25 points. Rudy Gobert, 17-5. 10 offensive rebounds, so he was dominating on the offensive glass. And former Grizzlies, former Grizzly Mike Conley, you know, the longtime Grizzly man who we had, then we traded Jod, and people were like, they're going to keep Mike and Jod. They're like, hell no, they, tra they traded Mike up out of here. Uh, only had six points, two of eight field goals, so he's been struggling. And like I said, the Mavs, they brought Luka Doncic back. And, he, you know, his first game back this series, his first game this series, 30 points, 10 rebounds, which is what he does. But my whole thing is that Mavs have been hooping. They took a 2-1 lead without Luka, mainly because Jalen Brunson, the point guard, was absolutely hooping. He had space and freedom to look for his shot and get his shot, and he didn't have to worry about anything or anybody else because he was the first option, and it was all on him. If he wanted to take a shot, cool, by taking a shot. He didn't have to feel guilty or feel like he had to uh, 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 give his power away. And by him playing and making things happen, Dallas had been rolling. Luka came back, which he's easily their best player. So now Jalen Brunson had to take kind of like a back seat. And he was kind of off. He finished with 23 points, but he wasn't in the same kind of aggressive attack mode and doing the things that he was doing those first three games when he was able to roll freely 
and take them shots and look for it shots without really worried about anybody else. But when Luca came back, he had his Luca show. So Luca got to give it, get it. And he gave it back to you if he wants to. But Utah tied it up two games apiece. Over in the East, the Sixers, the Sixers were trying to sweep Toronto. They went up three games to none, three games to none. Coming up that nice little overtime three-point turnaround, fading away to the left, three-pointer by Joel Embiid in overtime to beat the Raptors in game three. But Toronto, you know, they could have they could have laid down like, all right, man, nobody never came back from no 0-3 deficit. They could have just said, you know what, forget it, man. Let's go and pack it up. Let's just stay at the crib. We ain't got to go. But they like, nah, hell no. Nah. They came out with some pride. Won it. One game for 110-102. Sixers still lead the series 3-1. They still going to win the series. But Toronto, you got to give it to them, man. They came out, played well. The Raptors fans have been saying something about Pascal Siakam needed them to be more aggressive. And he came out and was more aggressive. 34 points, eight boards. But the Raptors, they got – Huge, huge contribution from my man from big old Memphis. Thaddy is young. I don't, Thaddy has then played the last game. I don't know if he played the game before that, but he damn so played game four. Came off the bench, 13 points, five assists, five rebounds. Played some good basketball. Gave them some great minutes. And he had one play, man. He just, he just. He caused, he caused all kinds of confusion with Joel Embiid. You got to watch that with the left hand, that one with the left. Big Joel Embiid. Nice on his feet. But that made him stumble and fall, bro. Stumble and fall. Then Thad hit him with the lefty. Ah, salt in his eyes. Sprinkled him. That's how Thad was hooping. I also like Thad, man. It, great father, too, because you always see his two young Royals after the game. Then the postgame, he was talking about him. So. Salute to Thad. Went to Georgia Tech, came out of Mitchell High School. But he's still from big old Memphis, and he has, he has represented big old Memphis extremely well, not only in college, but in the NBA. Family man, married. I think he with his longtime uh, uh, wife. Been with his wife a long time. I think since high school. It's kind of. Got the young Royals. So I salute Thad. He, you know, just been an NBA vet. Every team he plays with, they players like him, coaches like him, and he plays hard. And he's humble, too, when you talk to him and meet him. He just remains humble. So, daddy's had a good game. Joel Embiid, 21 points, eight rebounds for the Sixers. But his, his thumb is hurting on his right, right hand. They say he's going to need surgery. And it's got to be bothering him. It's got to be bothering him. Now, I'm a football guy. But basketball was my first sport. I played basketball for a long time. I played basketball at Fairly, even when we had those great basketball teams on the, the legendary head coach, Sylvester Ford. People who ain't from Memphis don't may not know him, but the teams of Corey Beck had the White Stewart, Elmer Martin, three dudes that went on to play for the Arkansas Razorbacks, winning the national championship. When they win the national championship, I think 1995, led by three dudes from Fairly. Because I played on those teams. Those teams had another dude named James Richards, Richard Cummings. Had some ballers, man. So I was, you know, so I know how it is with Joel Embiid. You can, I mean, you shooting. That basketball, that right thumb hurts, but that bat, that right thumb really is so that ball can sit there, man. You shoot that thing, man. These hand, these fingers right here, you flick that thing. 
But, you know, if it's hurting, yeah, it's hurting, especially if he got some torn ligaments. But he still gave him 21 points, eight boards. James, James Harden, 22 points, nine assists. But James Harden, not the same James Harden in a couple of years. James Harden, like, he be running in place. He can't get he can't get he can't get away from anybody. His feet be moving, but it's like he running in. You know, it's like an old football move. Chop it off, chop it off. It's like his feet just be moving in place, and you know, the Celtics. Celtics went to the Nets, man, and I ain't gonna lie. Well, damn, Celtics won one hundred nine to one hundred three. They up three nothing, and I ain't gonna lie. I just knew Brooklyn, not just Brooklyn, but. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I was like, you know what? They're going to play a whole lot better at the crib. Back at the house. KD is KD, man. There's no way KD going to keep struggling like this. Man. Boston Celtics head coach. M.A. Udoko. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, brother. If not, I apologize. Totally out coaching Steve Nash. Because the defense they playing on Kevin Durant all in his chest. That's a defensive game plan. And those Boston Celtics are, 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 are executing it perfectly. Get up in this chest. Don't give them no space. Put bodies on them. Jason Tatum long. Jalen Brown long. Al Horford is long. Get in his face, man. And it's been working. KD looks so frustrated. He only finished with 16 points. Kyrie only has 16 points. Celtics won 109 to 103, so they this close to sweeping their asses up out of there. And Jason Tatum, I don't know what to say, man. Dude is just a, he's just he's he's a bona fide star. Bona fide star. 39 points, six assists, five rebounds, and the way he plays on both ends of the court. He hoops, got an outside shot, he'll take you off the dribble, he'll dunk on your dome. Then he'll dig you up. And he makes good decisions. Bonafide star, man. His guy, Jalen Brown, 23 points. And that defense, man, they forced 21 turnovers. I think they scored 37 points off those turnovers. Tatum, six of the Celtics, 13 steals. Got to get, you got, you got to give, you got to give that young black man credit, man, for coaching the ball. They don't, they don't say his name enough. They talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but you got to give it to coach. M.A. Udoku. Great job, man. Because you coaching. Steve Nash, all he's doing is out there throwing the ball out there and say, y'all go hoop. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, just do what y'all want to do, man. Y'all just go hoop. Now, people ain't from Memphis. We used to have something called the Bluff City Classic. Got great, because we got some great basketball players that came out of Memphis, still in Memphis. So, but it was the summer league. Cats coming straight hoop. They just hoop. Coaching, what? Let's go hoop, man. You you may have five, six cats show up. You might have two or three. But they just hoop. That's what the Nets doing. No game plan, no execution. Steve Nash, y'all just go hoop. That ain't working. Because Boston got hoopers and they're coached up. Not only that, they got to respect their coach because they're playing hard. And they're executing his game plan. And before the game, I tweeted out, oh, KD going for 30. KD went for 16. Only took 11 shots. Hit six. Kyrie went 6-17. I think he went like 0 of 7 from three-point range. If I'm wrong, y'all let me know. Shut him down. 
KD looked totally frustrated. And it happens, man. <laughs> it happens. I know Kendrick Perkins said some stuff about, you know, he tapped out. And I think somebody else said that the Celtics punked him out. I don't think that's what it is. They frustrate the hell out of his ass, though. He may have been like, man, sh these boys just hard to beat. I don't mean he quit. You keep playing hard, but you're just like, man, these boys, these young men just hard to beat. I ain't never seen KD struggle like that, but it happens. But now everybody want to say, does it tarnish his, his, dynasty, his legacy? How? Because he had in a bad series? How? Not to me, it don't. It doesn't. So the Celtics, and let me remind people who keep acting all surprised, they are the second seed in the East now. The Nets are the seventh seed. They had to get into the playoffs by winning the play-in game. So Boston is supposed to win this series now. But I think it's because they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Those two, rightfully so, you know, people expect the Nets to play better. But come on, man. Boston is a two seed. They really a team. Marcus Smart, they got the defensive player of the year. They got two dogs. They got more than two dogs. They got them two dogs. So, and speaking of dogs, man, look, Tyson Fury, bro, boxing. I like. I, I love boxing. I used to box too. So I've been. That's why I'm good with these hands. It's God given because my daddy was good with these them hands. Marine went to the Vietnam War. He's Vietnam veteran. He was a boxer in the Marines too. So I used to love boxing. Used to box for the Memphis Police Boxing Academy. I used to have a little, they used to have a little academy downtown uh, uh, where St. Jude is now. But anyway, Tyson Fury, man, back home, he just beat the, he beat the hell out of D Dillian White to retain the heavyweight championship. TKO in the sixth round. Hey, hit him with an uppercut. Look, he, he hit him with an uppercut, man. And even just Tyson Fury is a big ass dude. These heavyweights, but he like a super, super heavyweight. And Dillian White is a big dude, but he looks like a little dude compared to Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury got those feet. He's agile, man. And him coming back from where he came back from, man, being strung out on doing drugs and being an alcoholic and doing being overweight and people counting them out. To come back and be the heavyweight champion and he came over, really came over here to America and, and staked his claim. Because I don't even want to begin to just even talk about what he did to Deontay Wilder. But, hey, man, got to give it to Tyson Fury. Back, he fought in Wembley Stadium, his home state, country. 94,000, man, to watch a boxing match. They said it was 94,000 in there. And Tyson gave him what they came to see, him beating the hell out of somebody, which he did. He hit Dillian White, man, with that uppercut. It's almost like it caught him, like on the side. And when he hit, it was like when Mike Tyson hit Trevor Burbick that time. And Trevor Burbick was trying to get up. Boom. That's what he was looking like. That lick must have been hard as hell, bro. Cause the referee like come to him, and he then he was looking like Martin. He said, "Let me get two bucks, bush passes to Caesar 
She's addressing what Tommy Hearns put that work on. He's trying to fight the referee. That's what, that what Dillian was looking like. I, I can laugh about it because he's okay, but he's not confusing in his ass. For real, that's what he looked like. When Thomas Hearns hit, hit Martin in that episode and Martin was trying to fight the referee, looking, his ass was out of it. So Tyson Fury, salute to you, man. You are the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't took took on everybody that wanted to fight you and take your belts. You beat their ass. And he said he may retire. And if he does, he will retire 32-0-1. He will retire to 30, 33 years old. And it's something about that number, man. It's 33 is it's a lot. People, it's another conversation. Anyway, but Tyson Fury, salute to you beating the shit, beating it. I didn't curse you. I didn't curse. Beating the heck out of Dillian White. Six-round TKO right uppercut. So, salute to you. But, yeah, that's going to do it. It's really a Grizzlies, Minnesota Timberwolves game for a post-game show. But, of course, they got to talk about other NBA games that went on on Sunday. And since I like to fight, I got to give props to Tyson Fury for knocking another cat out. Big dude coming back, especially with the story he said he had. People over there in, in England, United Kingdom, counting them out. You're a bum. But then when he said he was about to drive his Lamborghini or some Ferrari off a bridge one, he was about to commit suicide, man, a couple of years ago and said some told him like, no, man, you tripping. You got a wife and kids. Then he turned his life around and now he's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world without argument. Salute to you, man. Salute to you. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Ron Pass option. Burp, let me do it again. That's going to do it for this episode of the Ron Pass option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports. I thought I had froze because we know sports. I'm out. <laughs>